We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. Did you guys know that you can open an account with Emprise Bank in less than five minutes? That's less than it takes Brett Veach to make a move that we all love and adore. But the savings just start there, or they, they don't just start there. Emprise is a trusted partner with a variety of products and services to help you achieve your goals. Be like Brett Veach and achieve all your goals with Emprise Bank. Member FDIC our partner in possible at KC Sports Network. Welcome to another episode of the KC Laboratory, an episode of the KC Laboratory that as of this morning, we probably weren't going to do, but the Chiefs decided that they were going to have every move that they could possibly make today. Absolutely wasn't happening as of like 2 p.m. today. No, no, take that back. As of 4 p.m. Eastern, this show was not happening. Um, then something that happened very specifically just after four gave us just enough news that we figured we should go ahead and get one out. And then Brett Veach didn't, didn't think that we needed to be in and out in 20 minutes. So he piled a couple more on for us. Yeah, he definitely did. The, the voice that you are hearing there, um, is in about as good a shape as mine, uh, after a weekend long of draft coverage, it's my good friend, at Maddie underscore KCSN. Maddie Lane, my friend, it's good to see your face. I'm sad that it's not in person. I, I got used to it this weekend, just being able to sit and hang out with you and watch draft prospects all weekend. It was a blast. It really was. Um, we had a great time, you know, for everybody that joined us for all of our KCSN draft stuff at the Kingdom Bar and Grill. We appreciate you guys. I want to shout out anybody who stopped by, who watched, especially those of you that were somehow able to stop by every day or watch. Mm. We asked on Sunday who would watch the whole thing. Way more people than you would anticipate were willing to say that they watched the whole thing with us. So we appreciate you guys a ton. If I sound like I'm talking from under a rock, this is the best I can muster today. This was, this is a, this is a rough one, but we're going to, we're going to power through. We're, we're going to power through because the Chiefs got us there, just like you guys powered us through uh, this weekend. Uh, you guys, we are the number nine football podcast in the world today. This is not a time where there was just an abundance of Chiefs news or an abundance of a whole bunch of stuff that was pushing through. Everybody and their dog 
has draft shows that are happening right now. And you guys, you Chiefs fans, specifically you you listening to this right now, are what push us to a top 10 placing in football podcasts worldwide. So we thank you. We love you. And we love a move that Brett Veach made a little bit earlier today. Uh, well, we're going to start with the earliest move that he did uh, signing Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross to an undrafted free agent deal. Uh, there's a lot of hypotheticals about where he may go. You know, uh, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of questions because he was a guy that I think a lot of fans, not just Chiefs fans, but fans from around the NFL, you know, really, really wanted him to be on the roster. Just, you know, some team to take a flyer and land that guy, a big receiver, arguably a top 10 guy if he would have been able to come out after his freshman year but had some medicals had a bunch of medicals some is an understatement had a bunch of medicals lands with kansas city on an undrafted free agent contract maddie you were pounding the table for him at the end of the draft you were completely on board with the chiefs using some of their draft capital there in day three to sign justin ross obviously you got to be happy with them landing him in undrafted free agency right Oh, right. Well, I mean, I guess at the time I mean, you're looking at like fifth and especially those seventh round picks, he's probably costing you more now than he would have mm -hmm. been. So, I mean, I guess it would have been better to draft him. I don't, I don't think it matters at the end of the day. He's a super talented player, right? Like for certain guys in this draft class, Derek Stingley, George Pickens, we're talking about how, Oh, if we just use their 2019 film, their round one, their top five, top 10 picks or whatever, Justin Ross can fit into that same kind of category, right? If you go back and use his 2018, 2019 tape, this is a guy that belongs in the conversation to be, you know, going in the top 10. Now the big difference with him though, he has gotten healthy ish from his injuries. The question is, has he returned to the best form that he can be in? He is. Okay. I guess we should talk about the injuries, right, Craig? Um, yeah. The big one. He had a, um, a spine issue in which now it's, I don't know the exact details, but there's some reports of a spinal fusion. There's some other, Correct. there's some other reports that he had a congenital fused spine and that had to be fixed. And there, that would be more of adding space in between the vertebrae. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. What I do know is that it's very dangerous for him to play football. He had to seek out medical clearance just to be able to safely play football. And he has gotten that from an independent doctor but it is clearly something that is playing a large role in what NFL teams think about him moving forward. Yeah. And obviously the chiefs have done their homework on the medicals. You know, we, we know how they take, you know, chances with guys at the end of the draft, not necessarily guys that they attack hard at the beginning of the draft. Although, you know, we got Brian cook who had some injury issues. Maybe Brett Veach is shirking that a little bit, but we know the kind of effort that they put into Trey Smith, Justin Ross as a talent you know, when healthy, and again, he played a little bit last year, recovering from that, you know, spinal surgery. Justin Ross, when healthy, is a potentially elite X receiver. Now, the testing numbers were not great. He did not really put together a season that you'd look at in 2021 and say, hey, we're really excited about adding him. He's going to be a starter. He's going to be a stud but that's why he fell as far as he did in the draft. Those medicals, a foot injury last year as well. It wasn't just the spinal stuff. The medicals are something that you have to pay attention to. You've got to really, you know, 
wonder about his his availability. But here's the thing. Again, the Chiefs, not really a team that takes a bunch of risks on injured players. They just aren't. But they obviously have faith in what they did last year with Trey Smith, what they can do in-house with Rick Bergholder and their, you know, and their staff. He's a guy that you gamble on at this stage because it really is. I mean, Maddie, if he was healthy, we got this in the chat here. If he was healthy, what kind of round would he be going in? I mean, where would you expect that a guy like that would go if he was healthy coming off of this injury? And so I guess you have to start like, what do we mean by healthy, right? Do we mean he's the 2019 version of himself? Because if that's the case, he's going oh, in that's the first round, first right? Round. Mm-hmm. But if he's the healthy version that we saw early on this year, yeah, you're probably thinking maybe it's the third round and you're hoping that as he gets used to playing after, you know, his, his back surgery, and it sounds like according to Rappaport, somebody else dropped in the chat here, I think, well, we're going to give a, we're going to give a little bit of a shout out here to uh, Patrick. He said for Rappaport, he had congenital fusion of his upper cervical spine and then had a surgical fusion below that. So two parts of his spine, essentially two sections of his cervical spine is the way I'm reading that. You got, you know, you got one fixed, one was fused. That's a lot. So like, right, if we're just talking about if he's healthy from that, but he's still having to learn how to play with the fused spine, that matters for how you move then we're probably looking at like the third round. If you look at him early in 2021, he clearly was not back to his same level of athleticism, right? There was still still a, a level missing. That guy is still worth a shot in the third round because one, he was still really good, but two, you don't know when he's going to start getting better, if he's going to learn how to play with this new self or he just needed a little bit of time to get back into shape. So I think those are kind of your two levels, anywhere from first to third, depending on what he put on tape if he was healthy. Yeah, it's uh, you you really do look at the overall picture. You're hoping that he recaptures some of the 2019 version of himself. Let's let's go ahead and call this kind of what it is. It's like a Josh Gordon move. Like you're adding this guy to your roster and you're hoping that the upside of a player like that can hit. You're you're gambling on a bigger receiver, a guy that used to have some of this athleticism that obviously needs to get reintegrated into football. That's, that's what it is. And now you've got a guy, you know, under a rookie deal. You're not, you know, Josh Gordon was a vet men deal. Justin Ross would be under a rookie deal here. Now there is no guarantee that Justin Ross makes this roster. I don't think anybody's saying that, but I do think of probably a lot of the teams that Justin Ross could look at this is probably the closest that he has to being able to come in if he can get healthy to earn a starting X receiver spot. The Chiefs have a lot of guys that are going to be, you know, Andy Reid X receivers. Like they're going to be guys like that that can fill the role. He's gotten by with guys like that before. Justin Ross could be a true X receiver if he can recapture that athleticism. I know that's a big if there, but if he's able to do that, the gamble and the upside and the path for Justin Ross, the player, you know, looking at some of these rosters, maybe looking at some of the teams that were interested in him, the Chiefs make a lot of sense. They are willing to take gambles on guys like this, willing, you know, they just did it with Josh Gordon. Have a guy come in, try and regain that, knowing that there's not another real body type like that on this roster, and he may have a quicker path towards success and towards playing time 
you know, versus maybe some other teams that he's been looking at. That that's absolutely got to play a part. And I don't, you don't, we'll never really hear, I guess, how many offers that he's had or anything like that. But I, I feel like he probably had enough. I feel like there's probably, if one team is willing to clear you to at least come to a camp, there's probably more than one. So he also chose the Chiefs, I'm assuming. Now, this is a little mm-hmm. bit of an assumption, but I'm assuming there was at least one more offer. So he clearly liked the sales pitch he was getting from Kansas City. We talk about it. There's not a ton of size at the outside wide receiver position in this group. And none of them are signed kind of beyond one to two years. Like the bigger guys, you know, Juju's got a one-year contract. McCole Hardman's on a one-year contract. Now that he's a bigger receiver, but he's on a one-year deal. Gordon, Corey Coleman, if we want to count him. Um, and then in, even Marquez Valdez-Scantling is ap- is only on a two-year deal that they can technically, or a three-year deal that can be turned into two and they can really get out of after one. So like there's a path to starting here. And I, and I will say this, I haven't seen the money yet. I'm really waiting on the money because there's been some really big UDFA contracts, like big mm-hmm. guaranteed money. If he catches one of those, I don't know. I might actually lean towards the chiefs anticipated making the roster. Cause he's talented enough. If their medicals like they did with Trey Smith, they did enough work to say, Oh, you're going to be okay. We feel like we can make you be okay. We feel like we can work you into being a healthy place where you can play and they feel confident in it, that will matter. Like just having that experience with Trey Smith and they spent so much time last off season after the draft telling us what went into that, how much research and extra time they spent to make sure they were good with it. If they did that with Ross and feel good, I, I don't know. I do think that elevates him kind of my belief in him sticking for this year a lot higher. Yeah. Now, to be clear, neither one of us is saying he's going to have a Trey Smith-like rookie impact. Correct. That would, no, no, that is definitely... Not going to be the case. Again, like Maddie stated, he he doesn't look like he's moving the same way, and that's to be expected with the with the surgery that he had. He just doesn't look like he moves the same way that he did his freshman year. Remains to be seen, but that wide receiver room is pretty fun. Like that's going to be a fun camp battle all year long. Maddie, we had a third round grade on Justin Ross in the KCSN draft guide. Now, some of that is obviously. Older tape, some of that is you know newer tape. That's going to be kind of a combination of that. He was one of those. It's really hard to because once again, we don't we don't knock guys for injuries. So it, it you know Justin Ross is a guy that was pretty high in the KCSN draft guide, but it's understandable why he would be there if we're also looking at the 2019 tape. But a guy that got a fourth round grade also is with the Chiefs and a guy that you like, Maddie, Mike Rose, a linebacker. Ah. Yeah, out of Iowa State also got added this weekend. Uh, you know, we'll talk about maybe the team and the UDFAs as a whole, but I I did know that you wanted to touch on Mike Rose just a little bit here as a guy that that you liked, that you were pretty high on that Chiefs landed in UDFA. Yeah, so Mike Groves actually had a fourth-round grade valuation for me heading into this draft, which that's pretty good, especially for a guy that you're getting as an undrafted free agent. And then you kind of start to just look at, you know, who he is, what he has. He's a six-foot-four, 245-pound linebacker with over 33-inch arms. Like, in today's NFL, that profile, (laughs) that's called a coverage linebacker. Coverage Mm -hmm. linebacker is no longer just a 220-pound guy that can run. It's about having a guy that has length. Like, that is what these teams are hunting down when they're looking for 
coverage linebackers. Now the ability to move a little bit does matter. So having the same guy, that's 245 pounds that can run, you know, a four, seven with, uh, I believe it was a 74th percentile broad jumps or shows some explosive ability. There, there's some talent to work here, here. He's not just a big body. And in fact, if you ever watched Iowa state, you would see Mike Rose playing in the slot. He played overhang. He rarely played in the box. Like this isn't your traditional 245 pound Sam linebacker that plays like Leo Chanel, just crushing people, crushing Tyler Linderbaum in slow motion, as you could see in Craig Stout's article in the KC Sports Network Substack right now. Um, no, this is a this is a coverage guy. He plays in coverage. That is what he does. And so I'm excited. I want to see what he can do. He might be a sneaky guy that gets that dime linebacker role in the future because that's all he did at Iowa State was play in coverage. And you add that length and everything like that. I don't know. It's a guy that I'm very intrigued. In. Yeah, yeah. It it gets really interesting in this linebacker group because with the addition of Chanel, obviously you got Willie Gay there that we know is the Chiefs' best coverage linebacker at this stage. You know. Nick Bolton is going to be the Mike linebacker. And as it currently stands, probably projects a little closer to the dime linebacker than just about anybody else that they have on the roster because that's what they, they trusted him to do it last year. Mike Rose, smart guy, good coverage backer. Maybe this is a situation where the Chiefs felt comfortable. You know, they were higher on him than some other guys and, you know, feel comfortable putting him in this slot. They, they know... Guys like this can fit in there. Steve Spagnuolo is very comfortable playing undrafted linebackers as his dime linebacker. So, I mean. Right. And I, and I don't want to get people's hopes up saying that he's going to be some kind of stutter or anything here. It's just when you watch him play, he fits a very specific role. And I'm not, I don't know if he's going to be ready to play, call plays or anything like that. Because it doesn't look like it was what his role was at Iowa State. It's just the physical profile that he has in terms of height and length and just the ability to run somewhat is similar to guys like Quay Walker or Brandon Smith. He's not as athletic, but just the physical stature is similar to them. And then he played in coverage more frequently or as frequently as those guys. I just think he's a guy worth watching. Um, and I do want to warn people. I keep saying he's 245 pounds. He plays like he's 225 pounds. Yeah. He's not about being physical. He's not about laying the wood. That's not what he does. That he is 100% a finesse linebacker that is just huge, at least right now. But you can see him run the pole. You can see him carry crossers, get underneath deep digs and zone drops. Like He has a good feel for coverage. So I'm just intrigued to see where he slots in because he might have, I mean, he might be a little better in coverage just in terms of his feel and knowledge of zone responsibility than a Willie Gay who still seems to be picking it up, but slowly, or Nick Bolton, who's openly talked about having to work on it this offseason, and definitely Leo Chanel. He's just a guy that I'd be intrigued to see at camp and see what he can do in these coverage reps. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's I think it's great that the Chiefs have all these guys that are so physical and want to play so downhill and just want to line up and, you know, body these offensive linemen. Leo Chanel's tape is so fun. Nick Bolton does a great job of running through, really exploding through gaps. And obviously Willie Gay, we've seen him, you know, this guy that can chase down stuff from the back side and really be really good at that. That's a group of guys that wants to line up and lay the wood. And having another option, you know, in a guy would be nice to add to the room because not to say that He's not going to show up and lay the wood, but when you've built everything else on that foundation, you know, having a little bit different 
take and a little bit different flavor in the linebacker room would be very helpful. Just like our good pals at Macadoodles are bringing a little different flavor to the Kansas City liquor scene. They are coming to Lee's Summit, Missouri in the summer of 2022, and they're going to bring the best customer service, the best selection, and the best prices to Kansas City that you can find. You're going to want to practically live there. So you know the foundation of Kansas City liquor. Come in, find yourself a little bit different flavor. I bet you'll like it, and let's get more of those flavors in Kansas City and wherever you are. Get a hold of Roger. Info at macadoodles.com if you're a franchisee to add more to the area. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Now... We can move on, Maddie. Do you, is there any other UDFAs that we need to cover right this very moment? I, I don't think so. Uh, it's definitely all about Justin Ross. I think that's the big one. It's one of the biggest ones in all of the NFL, really, when you consider how high profile he was. I wanted, I banged the table to sneak some Mike Rose in there because I think that he's clearly a step above some of the other guys. And I think you saw that with how one, how quickly he was announced and the fact that it was announced with like a logo and everything from his school immediately. Yeah. It's just... That one was the one that sounded like it was in works a little bit before the draft ended. The Chiefs wanted to get him, and I actually see a legitimate path for him to make the roster, make the 53-man roster. I'd agree. Well, the Chiefs then decided today that they needed to make a trade, and a trade for a cornerback because apparently they didn't add enough guys to the room this past weekend. Kansas City Chiefs make a trade with the Houston Texans for Lonnie Johnson, a cornerback formerly out of Kentucky. Uh, He was traded for a conditional 2024 seventh round pick. Um, This is a guy that we know that the Chiefs were fairly interested in. Um, he, He was... He was a longer prospect, a physical guy on the outside, didn't have great speed for the position. I think the Chiefs are probably looking at him maybe, you know, in round three of that year's draft. He was very interested. And, you know, the Houston Texans decided to pick him up in the second round of that year's draft. 
He started at cornerback for the Texans, played there for a little while, was eh, not super effective, then moved to safety and had a pretty good year, you know, for a year in 2020. And then last year kind of played a little bit in this kind of slot safety corner role. Like they moved him around, started the year a little bit at corner, moved to safety. They clearly weren't very high on Lonnie Johnson and the Houston Texans organization. And obviously, you know, they added Steven Nelson this year. They, you know, drafted Derek Stingley early, drafted Jalen Petrie, a guy that can kind of play in that slot safety role a little bit. So it, it was very clear that he was going to be either on his way out or relegated to a very backup role. Reportedly, reportedly, he said himself <laughs> that he had asked to be traded, asked to be let out of his contract. Now all of a sudden you see the Chiefs give up a seventh-round pick two years from now, a conditional one at that, for a player that they liked you know, a long time ago, a long physical cornerback. Matty, what was your initial reaction to the Chiefs signing Lonnie Johnson? Sure, why not? I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of how it's going to be. When, when I first saw that he was tweeting kind of cryptic this morning, I was like, huh. Sounds like he might be on the way out. And I know there's been a little bit of turmoil between him and the organization. And now that uh, Casario's there, anybody and everybody's a potential target to be cut. Now that's good or bad, just he's going to do it his way. So I always thought there was a chance. I see the cryptic text and I was like, well, there's a guy that makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs from a stylistic standpoint, because I remember watching him, hearing about some Chiefs interests. Remember they had him in for a visit and all these different things. So then here we are. He does act, then all of a sudden the, the trade announcement comes. I'm like, of course it's with the Chiefs. They gave up essentially nothing to get him. So, I mean, absolutely zero reason to think they shouldn't bring him in and compete. Worst case scenario, you give up a seventh and two, two years from now, two drafts from now, he can completely miss this roster and it has zero impact on anything they're doing. Yeah, it, it, this doesn't affect anything in the room other than bringing a little competition, a little bit of floor. He's obviously got NFL experience. I didn't particularly like the way that they used him at cornerback. Um, he's got a decent amount of talent. The length and the explosion, I think, is what you look at. And the size. I mean, he is six foot two, 213 pounds. So I get why they tried him at safety. He's a big guy, 32 and 5 eighths inch arms, and had a 38 inch vertical. And, you know, at that, he was ridiculously explosive and uh, that length, you kind of think of him on the outside. It's like he can close some windows a little bit. He can play physical. The man likes to hit, too. He, he was also a very physical cornerback. It, it's interesting to see that kind of guy get added alongside a Jalen Watson, a physical guy, a long guy, a Joshua Williams, a physical guy, a long guy. It seems like they're loading up on that type of guy, along with a DeAndre Baker in the room as well, trying to hope one of them hits because I think you've got Legereus Need, and I know you've got Trent McDuffie as two guys that are going to start, that are going to play a ton of reps for this team. What does that mean for that third spot? Right now, I think we kind of all shoehorned Rashad Fenton in there because that's been the guy that Steve Spagnuolo has trusted. But now you've given yourself a whole bunch of swings on the outside there, both with young players, you know, a couple of guys that are a little bit older. Lonnie Johnson is a little bit older. He's not necessarily a long-term solution, but might be a bridge guy 
for the young guys, for the Joshua Williams and Jalen Watsons to come in. I think he's a camp body right now. I think he's a guy that you're comfortable keeping in the room. He has familiarity with Justin Reed and his time in Houston. Just please don't play him at safety there. I, watching him with Justin Reed was a little bit rough. And protect him over the top. Give him the safety help that you know that Steve Spagnuolo is willing to give there on the outside, but know that he's got at least the length and the physicality to play out there the way that Steve Spagnuolo wants his guys to do. I, I just think casting him in that kind of slot safety role was a bad move. Uh, we saw what Travis Kelsey did to the man. He he took it. And now, Travis Kelsey does that to a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. He does. Travis Kelsey does that to a lot of people. But he it, Travis Kelsey stole his soul from him in that game. It was really, really, you know, a, a bad look. It was a really bad look. And I think it frustrated Lonnie Johnson. I know he snapped back. Got a couple penalties, tweeted at Travis Kelsey today after the move was announced and said, hey, we're good, right? And Travis said, yeah, yeah, we, we definitely are. So I, I do think that you can play him on the outside. I think that that's his best spot. And I don't think that I want to see him at safety, Maddie. Do you? Uh, no, not at all. Um, I think that's where you kind of start to get in trouble with him a little bit, too, is yeah, he didn't have a great rookie year when he was playing corner, but look at the defensive scheme that he was in, right? They weren't consistently asking him to get up on the line of scrimmage to play press and then just kind of work on that vertical third or with his length. I mean, you can reduce it to literally just outside the numbers if you let him get that physical. So they didn't put him in his best opportunity. Guess who does do that, though? I mean, that's Steve Spagnuolo's bread and butter. We've seen Charvarius Ward, Rashad Breeland, Rashad Fenton. Like, that's all they've been asked to do is just try to beat guys up and run them vertically. You release them underneath. Like, I, I 100% see the fit there, but I'm with Craig. You bring him in. You let him compete kind of early on um, in camp. You see who's going to start to come to the top. Like, I will say this, though. I think a lot of people like Rashad Fenton. I think Rashad Fenton played good last year for what he was, but the Chiefs have gone out of their way a couple, not out of their way, but like they've tried every year to add more bodies that can upseat him as kind of that other starter as the second starting outside corner, or that third corner. I, I see this as another shot at that, right? It's like, I don't know if he doesn't have equal opportunity as Fenton to earn that spot. It is coming down to earning it though. And I really like his ability as an outside corner in this scheme. I'm with Craig though. It's just like, yeah, that, uh, Moving him to safety seems like a bad move as that seemed to be where his change of direction, his inability to move yeah. in space was exploited the most. Uh, I have a question. Did you see after this draft, did you anticipate another move at corner coming? Especially when you look at like just some of the, not the UDFAs, but like all their picks they've taken, everything like that. Did you anticipate another move at the cornerback position coming? Not at all. I mean, I, I was pretty happy with the cornerback room, if we're being honest. Like, that's a lot of swings at the position, a lot of young guys that I, I thought it was very comfortable with. I Like, I was walking away from this draft going, hey, Brett Veach allocated assets. And guys that not only, you know, guys with talent, but guys that we like, guys that we really were fond of, guys that were going to be easy for easy to root for because they were going to play a lot of the same ways that Spagnolo has his guys play on the outside and so I thought that there was a path for a lot of these guys I, th I thought that Joshua Williams and Jalen Watkins those two guys in the same room I figured they were competing for a similar spot and maybe year one we'd have to see you know again you had that insurance with 
Baker and Fenton on the outside, but those two guys could maybe compete with us, you know, compete for a spot, you know, because they are similar types of player that link that physicality, the ability to really play physical and press into the boundary. That's what it was. So adding another guy like that, I just, I love the swings. I love the cuts. You know, the, currently this team has an insane amount of tight ends on the 90 man roster. Like they're over 90 at this point. So they're going to have to move some guys down, but they have an insane amount of tight ends on the roster. I expect them to trim that a little bit. They can trim some of their wide receivers a little bit too. I think they can get back underneath here. Now, before we move off of Lonnie Johnson, you got more. Yeah, go ahead. No, no go ahead. Oh, before we move off of Lonnie Johnson, um, we posted the page from the 2019 KCSN draft guide um, where I reviewed Lonnie Johnson, gave him a third round grade. Um, I basically stated in there that he was only a medium fit. I did comp him to James Bradbury, which how weird is that this offseason? I said he was a medium fit because as it seemed right there, the, the physicality, you were asking him to play a lot more press underneath and really try and rough guys up. And at that point, before Spagnuolo had come to Kansas City, he'd left his cornerbacks a little more on an island. In New York, he'd given those guys a little more free reign to carry routes, to be able to break stuff off. And so at that point, Maddie and I sitting in a room in Mobile, breaking down Steve Spagnolo tape, we're looking at that going, okay, well, he's got to get himself some corners. He's got to get himself some guys that can line up and play one-on-one. Since he's come to Kansas City, that shift to more of that too high structure, that protecting the quarterback or cornerbacks that we've seen so much, Lonnie Johnson would absolutely get a high fit if he came out in the draft right now. I would give him a full high fit because I do feel like he fits more of what Spagnuolo has done in Kansas City. Obviously, at 2019, we're basing it off of giant stuff. We've got more data now, so that's. That is why if you are looking at that and you're going, oh, he's only a medium fit, I promise you he would be a high fit for me at this point. Well, and here's, I mean, this is the part of the whole thing that intrigued me the most, right? There was like no rumors of this whatsoever. The only thing connecting the Chiefs to any corner was James Bradbury. And I mean, that seemed like that ship had sailed before the draft. And then the Chiefs drafted a bunch of corners. So like, it kind of seemed like the Chiefs were out. But then here it is, Brett Veach wakes up early on a Monday morning post-draft and gets to work. And do you, do you know how he did that? He had to get how some coffee, but it, it couldn't be just any coffee. No, you can't just go down the street and grab a coffee at the local place. No, you have to get trade coffee. Now, what is trade coffee? Why is trade coffee the best? Well, because trade coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's largest craft roasters. So what actually that means is the trade coffee team taste test thousands of coffees from over 450 different kinds and they're ready to ship every single day. And what they're going to do for you, because this company is so confident, trade coffee is so confident in their ability to get you the right coffee. There's the trades first match guarantee. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time. And if they don't, they'll take your feedback and they'll get an actual coffee expert will call you, get you on the phone or maybe email you, and they will figure out a way to get you another brand, another type of coffee that will be perfect for you. So right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping. That's like barely three days worth of coffee at your lo- local coffee diner, right? And so 
when you all you have to do to get that is go to drinktrade.com backslash KCSN. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. So get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com KCSN and let trade find a coffee that you'll love. That's drinktrade backslash KCSN for $30 off. And don't forget that Mother's Day is coming up. A trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. Great Craig, job, Maddie. You're you're not my mom, but I might get this for you. Oh, I would I would absolutely take it. I, we could have used Maddie, it. We could have used it at the Airbnb. Matt, Maddie can Maddie can attest to this when we were at the Airbnb. We were making you know the full percolator of coffee. You know, it's a full twelve cup thing. And during the mornings, Maddie would come in. He'd grab himself a coffee. Bear was there. Bear doesn't drink coffee. I would finish the rest. <laughs> I, I would drink the entire rest of it. We'd go to breakfast. I'd have several cups of coffee. We'd get another cup of coffee and another cup of coffee. And then at night, I was also drinking some more coffee before we went to bed. So I, I, I survive off of it. I, I would appreciate that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. More news. Because, of course, there was more, more news. news. The Chiefs turned around this this evening now um and use the ufa tender on pass rusher melvin ingram now this is an interesting mm. one it's not something that gets used very often the ravens also used it on justin houston this offseason but essentially what it see what it says is before July 22nd or whenever the first day of training camp for the team that uses it, whenever that is, that player can negotiate with any team in the NFL. They can try and come up with, you know, some sort of deal, any team in the NFL. But after training camp opens, that player is then locked in to the team that placed it upon them because they were playing with that team the previous year. Now that does get that player a minimum guaranteed salary of $4.4 million. If that, or, well, for Melvin Ingram, it's 110% of his previous contract. That's $4.4 million this year for Melvin Ingram. That's the minimum contract that he can accept for the Chiefs. Now he can also sit there and say, I'm not going to play for the Chiefs this year, so I'm just going to sit out and no team can sign him so basically if melvin ingram does not sign before that first day of chiefs camp he is guaranteed at least 4.4 million dollars on a one-year deal or higher if they work out something that makes sense i i think that you know with the way that the chiefs have allocated their resources in the draft you know george Karloft is a really good pick really solid value but melvin ingram still makes sense to come back to the Kansas City Chiefs. And by placing this UFA tender on him, you essentially give yourself another swipe at that guy and try and make sure that he stays in-house, or at least you speed up the timeline for when that has to happen. It's not going to be something that's going to, you know, 
last all the way into the season. It's something that you've got a defined date that you guys can sit down at the table and say, hey, this is what we're going to offer you. We're not going to try and lowball you below this because this is literally the lowest we can go. Sign this, join us, and we'll try and recreate what we had before. I think it makes a ton of sense for the Chiefs to do it. And I'm a little surprised that I've never heard of the UFA tag before today. So first of all, everybody here watching live and those of you that are watching after the fact, thank you for joining us. Um, while you're here, just reach on down and hit the like and the subscribe button. Um, it's quick. It's easy. It helps us out a lot. If you were hanging out with us the draft weekend, you probably had a drinking game associated with this phrase, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so we, we would greatly appreciate it, though. It does help us. Leave a comment. Let us know. Let us know in your comments if you do this, your favorite pick the Chiefs made over the weekend. But yeah. I think that's the biggest question actually coming out of this weekend. We'll get back to the contract or the actual use of the tender in a second. I think the biggest question coming out of this weekend is why was there no more defensive line work done? Brett Veach made a big deal about needing to turn over that room. And essentially they brought in Taylor Stallworth, who we like, but is a rotational guy. And then they drafted George Karloff this in the first round, who is a good quality player, but we don't really know what that upside is going to be. Like, right, you could see it being anywhere from average to pretty good. So it's very intriguing that they didn't do more work along the defensive line. Maybe the board didn't fall the right way. Maybe deals fell through. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But now they come out of this and they use this, this tender that is very, very rarely used. And they're going to drop it on Melvin Ingram. Now, I kind of get why it's rarely used, though, because it guarantees, you know, what 110% of their salary from the previous year. So, you know, when you have a guy making substantial money, the fact that you're just locking them in for one more year at that same price just seems kind of kind of odd. But for him and for Justin Houston with the Ravens, it makes a lot of sense. You are essentially guaranteeing that you're either going to receive a comp pick for him. And at that might, I mean, you're probably looking at like a sixth, seventh round comp pick, I would guess. Mm -hmm. But you're almost guaranteeing that he's going to come back to the Chiefs because no team's going to want to give up a comp pick, especially if they haven't signed him at this point in time, or that you're the only team that can sign him later on when it's time to get going. And from his point of view, I doubt he's expecting to make a whole lot more than this. I mean, if he was, I, I feel like that had to be adjusted before now, right? Like you don't yeah. go this long without getting paid more. So that's readjusted. He's now going to get a happily sit out until camp starts. There's no rush for him at this point, I mean, at any point in time, but definitely now and just sign this $4.4 million deal whenever he wants to come back. And then boom, you added a little bit of defensive line help. The Chiefs will still need some more, but like maybe this was something they had in the back of their minds this whole time. Yeah, I, we've heard Brett Veach talk about how, you know, we'll, we'll look at adding Melvin back into the equation near the end of the summer. And I think this is exactly what it means. The man, man doesn't want to go through OTAs and do all that stuff. That's fine. You don't worry about his reintegration with the rest of that defensive line. There's not too much turnover there, obviously. Adding George Karloftis is a good move and will be a new face in there, but he knows what Spagnuolo is expecting of him. He knows the work ethic that it's going to take. And honestly, Melvin Ingram fits right in with the sort of physical play and motor and everything like that. And, you know, the, the sort of intensity that he plays the game with, he fits right in with this entire class. So it would just be, it would just make sense there. Now I am with you, Maddie. I do think defensive lines a little light. I, I think defensive tackle is a little light, but I think they've done a good job of kind of insulating themselves everywhere else. When we started all of this, when we started this offseason, I think, it, and I'll I'll eat crow on this, I said there's no way Brett Veach can fill all these roles. There's just none. Like, there's too many spots. They don't have the ability to 
you know, if you're going to add this guy, you got to cut this guy and sure, you know, draft picks are nice, but like, you're not going to hit though, all these positions, be able to land all this spots, the depth and the rooms now after the draft and now potentially adding Melvin Ingram in, or if you don't, you're going to know before training camp starts and you can make the other requisite move that you need to, to complete your room before camp. Now, all of a sudden I'm looking at all of this and I'm going, I feel like they did a hell of a job filling all of this. And that's kind of the final piece. Like, I think that's kind of yeah. the final piece to this is if they get another guy that they can trust to be not just a rotational pass rusher, but a guy that can be a three down edge. Now, all of a sudden you can ease Karloftis into the scheme. You can hope that Kando takes the steps. You can have a high floor guy and Mike Dana on some early downs. And then you're not having to rely just on Frank Clark and see, you know, can he come back to health? Can he come back to what he had done, you know, in 2019 and before? I think it gives you, again, just like we were talking about with the wide receiver room, with the cornerback room, it gives you enough quality swings at the position to where you may not have the stud, but you feel really good about the room as a whole, or at least really comfortable with what they've got. And again, and maybe that's part of the plan, right? Maybe Brett Veach is sitting there and the entire chief staff and looking like, okay, there's no way we can fill all of these in one go right now, right? So we're going to look at the draft class and the free agency class and our cash allotment and try to figure out the best way over the next two years to try and fix this stuff. And maybe it just come out the defensive line was on the short end of that stick, right? And so they go out, they make this Karloff, this draft pick, they're bringing back Melvin Ingram. They kept Frank Clark, but they didn't have to. You're kind of piecemealing together some of this one year at a time. Maybe they do plan on still trying to add somebody else to get this in. Or maybe the goal is just to limp through this year with the defensive front. You know, it's not like they have zero talent, right? Frank Clark on oh, a contract right. deal, Chris Jones, Karloff, this. If you bring back Melvin Ingram and then Mike Dane is a solid, like they have enough to you know be competitive. It's just not good at this point now, in time. Right. Now, the counter to that is the secondary should be significantly improved. So right. maybe you you offer yourself a little more time to where you can piece together. I mean, again, like this is Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram, Chris Jones. This is exactly what they had last year. <laughs> Those three guys are back. It's just you added George Karloftis. You added some more really good blitzers, and you added a secondary behind them that should be better should be right. better as a whole. Yeah. Right. And so maybe that was all part of the plan. And that's, you know, that's for an entirely other podcast coming here yeah. in the next week or two about coverage, pass rush stuff. Um, so yeah, th there's a plan there, but I am curious, Derek Nottie's only on a one year deal. What, <laughs> instead of getting another defensive end, which I do think they need, what if they turn their attention to defensive tackle? And I saw somebody in chat also put this in there and I may have lost where it was now. Um, here we go. Josh said, you know, interior defensive line feels like it could use a body like Akeem Hicks. And that's where I wanted to go is maybe we wanted to come out and, or maybe they're trying to look in frigency and find another version of Jaron Reed, a guy that can play nose tackle in a pinch, provides a little bit more penetration than Derek Nottie does when they get into passing downs and just get another big body on the interior. Maybe they think they can piecemeal the edge rush with a Carl Loftus, Clark, Ingram, Dana, Kando, and blitzing Chanel and Bolton mm -hmm. and Willie Gay a ton. And then mm -hmm. they just need a little bit more bodies on the inside. It's like, I would be a little surprised if by the time we got to camp, there isn't another defensive lineman that the moment he signed or acquired, you assume he's making the roster. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter, but you at least assume he's going to be making the roster right away. It's just, it was kind of interesting to see them come out of the draft and not get it. But then like, then we talking about 
they bring out this Melvin Ingram tender thing of a jig that nobody's entirely sure about right now. <laughs> and they put that out there. Like, I think it's a really smart move. It's just something that I did not see coming. And I was a little perplexed why they did not do more during the draft. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of time in between now and training camp. There's a lot of guys that can get cut, can get moved. They're going to bring in tryout guys. They got OTAs to get through. There's a lot of moves that could still be made along that defensive line. But the important one, and I think the one that maybe we weren't sure was going to happen after the Chiefs signed George Karloffis, not that they didn't, not that we didn't believe that they could still add another defensive end, but we weren't sure what that meant for Melvin Ingram to see them place that tag on him. I think that that's good. I think that that's really positive and it tells you where this team is they know that they would like to have another guy in the room so it makes you feel good that they're not just going to go into the you know into the season and go okay well we're hoping that the pass rush is going to get home that they still need to add a guy so the final thing that we'll get here get to tonight tyron matthew reportedly signing a three-year 33 million dollar deal with the New Orleans Saints, that deal is announced at 4.02 Eastern, just after the compensatory formula expired. I know a lot of people were kind of upset about that. You know, there was a lot of smoke about, you know, Tyron going to New Orleans and wanting to be in New Orleans. Like, I get it. I, I totally understand the frustration about it. But if if I were a Chiefs fan and my team signed a player the day that the compensatory formula was set to expire before that I would be livid. So I totally get why Listen, the, Saints the Saints wanted to protect that comp seventh round pick. They're currently sitting on for next year. <laughs> yeah, they really, I mean, that's, that's what it is. They, yeah. And it didn't make, it didn't make any sense. He wasn't going anywhere. I, it, typically that's, that's set up to be one of those scenarios where, you know, you're you're helping the players out. You're not letting the players get drug along or anything like that. If it's a three-year, $33 million deal, Tyron Matthew was going to be coming there. He was going to be happy with that. You know, that I do think it's interesting that, you know, he goes to a place where Dan Sorensen also has signed. So they will have some familiar, familiarity in the secondary there. He gets to go home. I mean, for all things said about Tyron Matthew this offseason, man, I'm I'm happy for him. Get a three-year, $33 million deal, get to go home. I mean, he's still got a ring as a chief. So I he gets to go play at home. I, I'm happy for the man. Yeah, you no, know, nothing but best wishes and gratitude for you know what he helped do with the Chiefs and well deserved for him to go cash in, get another payday, go back home get a play at home, something that I know means a whole lot to him. It's like, I'm nothing but happy for him. I Some fans are going to blame him for the signing coming in after 402. I assure you, he does not care if the Chiefs <laughs> got a fourth-round comp pick or not. Absolutely not at all. That is 100% the Saints. Now, maybe they told it to him, and he's like, oh, okay, that's a good idea, fine. But like, this was not his idea. The Saints were not going to do that. It would make zero sense for them to do that. So I mean, good for him. I'm glad he got paid. I'm glad he's getting a fair amount of money. I think a lot more than some fans kind of pegged at this point in time. So I'm happy for Tyron and I hope he goes on and plays really, really well unless the chiefs play the saints. And then we'll see, you know, we'll see when we get to that point. Yeah, no, nothing but happiness for the man. Um, my, but I'll throw this out here. Matty, um, do you think Tyron Matthew 
makes it into the Chiefs Ring of Honor. No, I know. No. Okay. Because each year was another step back. Right. And like I know that sounds kind of silly because you started, he started at the top. Right. I and mean, he started right. right there at the Super Bowl. Like there's nowhere else really to go. Had they won a second one, had they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had they went back to a third one, win, lose, or draw, and the third one, I think probably yes. But the fact that they did fall short this third year or they fell short in that Super Bowl to the Bucs, I think that's enough to kind of keep some of those defensive additions that clearly played a huge role out of the KC Ring of Honor. And it sucks. I, I It really does suck because it's something that's right there. It's so very close. And like if you want to yeah. – and if he does make it, I think it's well-deserved. It's just if I'm putting a prediction on it, I think because they got technically worse by like a step every year – and they didn't get the two Super Bowls, or they didn't quite make it to all three. I think that's ultimately what holds them out. I I, I think you I think you'll be on the edge. I really do mm-hmm. think he'll be on the edge. I mean, it's just it's close. He did mean so much to that team. I mean, he still meant so much to the team last year. I mean, just look at that Bills game and try and tell me you know what he meant to that defense. Yeah. I mean, it the hole in the middle of the field. I mean, as it's our pal Bobby Stroop stated, you know, y'all are wondering why they added so many defensive backs in this draft. Did you miss the four uncovered touchdowns that occurred in the Buffalo Bills game? I mean, yeah, that that's what happens. They needed it. And I get why the Chiefs did what they did. They needed a refresh. They needed to be able to get some youth in there. They definitely reset the core a little bit, get some new stuff in there. It just makes sense. You know, so it's good to see him after something like that. Get to go to a place that he wants to go. So, yeah. All right, Maddie. Do you have anything else, my friend? Do we need to refresh Twitter to make sure that Brett Veach didn't make another amazing move that uh, that we love? Before we I've had it here? up this. I've had it up this whole time because you just never know with this man, right? He, <laughs> we just never know at this point in time. So, no, it's been up. We are free and clear of Chiefs news. Um, we appreciate everybody for jumping back in with us um, and all this weekend. I don't have anything else unless Craig does. We are we are good to go. No, the only thing that I have is if you like this, hit the like button, subscribe to that thing, leave comments, and give us a five-star review, whether it be on Spotify, Apple, wherever you can do it. Give us a five-star review. That helps us as well. So we love you. Thank you so much for being with us all weekend long for all of this coverage for sticking with us tonight as well with all of this we will be back on wednesday with yet another edition of the lab and surely 14 million other things that brett veach will have for us to talk about so maybe a voice and maybe now i'm not gonna hold out hope for that so maybe some more moves maybe some more players to talk about but we'll catch you later this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.